0: I'm Sharon Betters and you are listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And I'm so glad that you're listening because I really believe the message of our conversation is going to encourage you and equip you and energize you to walk by faith on the pathway on which you find yourself. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic while we're recording this and the whole world is shaken. The whole world has been affected by this teeny tiny virus, and we really don't know what tomorrow holds. So I think there's a lot of fear. uh, There's anger. There's disappointment. There are uh, broken dreams. And in the middle of that, a friend sent me a copy of a book called Contentment, Discovering God's Goodness. And it's a 31-day devotional. And so I started digging into it. I thought this is the perfect time because how do I know uh, if I'm being discontent when I'm longing for what was, when I'm missing those things that are a normal part of my life, or whether I can be content and still miss those things? How do I do that? And I, I know that I'm not the only one who is in that dilemma. So I've invited the author of this book on contentment, Megan Hill, to share with us some of her thoughts and of course we can't get into the whole book in the time that we have but I'm hoping that it will whet your appetite uh, and that you'll get her book and I suggest when you do that you pull out your Bible and a journal and really dig into the scriptures that are there. Um, each devotional is short but it's packed and so I'm just so excited to have Megan here today. So, um, Megan is a writer, obviously. She's written three books. Her articles have been published, Desiring God, Focus on the Family, The Washington Post. You can see that she's a prolific writer. So, Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. And before we jump into our topic, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, what you're doing now in the middle of the pandemic that gives you joy. Just, Just help us get to know you a little bit.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Sharon. So I am, as you said, I'm a writer. I'm a pastor's wife. I'm an editor for the Gospel Coalition. We live in Western Massachusetts and part of a small PCA church here in Western Massachusetts, uh, which is just a delight to join with these brothers and sisters in a place that there's a recent survey that called our community, the most secular place in America. So it's precious to have this group of believers who love the Lord and love worshiping him to come together. So I have four children, three of whom are school age, 13, 12 and 11 year old boys, and then a little girl who just turned three. So the boys normally are in school, but of course this is a pandemic. So now we're all homeschoolers now. And uh, so I've been homeschooling them. We've been finding joy by making soft pretzels every Saturday morning. And we normally, Saturdays are busy for us with sports or getting ready to have hospitality on the Lord's Day or this Mm -hmm. and that and the other thing. And now Saturdays are not so busy anymore. And so we have time to make dough and let it rise and shape our pretzels and boil them and bake them. And um, that's just been our fun way to mark Saturdays at this time.
0: I can tell you that if you lived close, my husband would be stopping by. And you could leave some at the end of your driveway for him because that's one of his favorite snacks. I've never tried to make them, but maybe, you know, after talking to you, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. We want to talk about contentment uh, versus discontentment. So I think we need to define what we mean by contentment. What, in the context of our conversation, how would you define contentment?
1: Yeah, sort of a brief definition of contentment, I think, would be submitting to and delighting in what God is doing in our life. So there's sort of the submitting to, which is accepting, you know, what God is doing. But then I think contentment goes even a little bit further to delighting in and to giving thanks for what God is doing, even when that's kind of a hard thing sometimes.
0: And I would bet that there are a lot of people right now who are having a hard time with that. Um, and I'm thinking about my daughter and her husband who might lose their business. Because of the financial impact, the friend whose elderly mother has the virus and is in the hospital by herself, a friend of mine whose husband uh, died recently and she's going through this pandemic by herself so all of those things that are hurtful that people carry already I think are amplified by this pandemic it, it's so much worse I mean like my my widow friend who says It just makes, I'm here by myself. I don't have my best friend to go through this um, pandemic with. And so when we think about the idea of submitting to our circumstances and finding joy there, it seems like an impossible dream, an impossible task. So before we talk about how we can pursue that kind of contentment, let's, let's talk about discontentment and the impact of discontentment when you think about discontentment, what would you say are some of the signs of discontentment? Like I could look for in my own heart and in my own life and think, oh, wait a minute, I'm not as content as I thought I was.
1: Yeah. I think discontentment shows up in a number of ways. Um, it shows up in sort of a prideful response that sort of, I would have chosen different circumstances for myself, or I could have picked a better outcome for this situation. So that's kind of pride. There's anger often that goes into it and anger is not always sinful, but how could God do this to me? This is not good. God, you haven't done the right thing here. There's anxiety that often goes into it. Sort of what's going to happen next? This isn't what I wanted. Now what? Oh no. There's can be sort of a self-centeredness that happens where we can't focus on the good that has happened to other people because we're concerned with what we perceive as bad things that are happening to us. I think those are maybe four, I don't remember how many I said, but maybe like four ways that that expresses.
0: I think another one is um, when we find ourselves complaining. I mean, if I'm looking for a really practical way of saying, okay, you, you have a problem here, it's that complaining and whining, which you mentioned, I mean, you talked about that. It was mainly against, uh, against the Lord. But when that's our take on life, when we're around other people and we can't, we just can't stop being negative and, and complaining about our circumstances, but that's a checkpoint for me is, wait a minute. And I think about, you know, what kind of an impact does that have on the people around me when, when I am like that? I think you're so right. There's one
1: older writer who talks about complaining about the weather. And that has always, that has just, from the time I read that, has struck with me because I think that's like the most basic form of discontent, right? That, oh, it's raining oh, it's so hot. Oh, it's so cold. It's so snowy. It's so, you know, and we go out, we go out among non-Christians in the grocery store or whatever. And the interactions that we have with them are, oh man, can you believe this weather? And, you know, really that's a heart of discontent. And it's it's sort of a bonding point sometimes, very sadly, that we have with people over really complaining, right?
0: It's something that you would bring that up <laughs> because we live in Delaware, but we come to Florida in the, in the winter. And I grew up in Delaware and I remember sunny days and playing outside. And now Delaware in the fall through the spring is so gray and rainy and dreary. And so I love being in the sunshine in Florida, but I got to tell you, I complain about it. I can if I'm in Delaware, I'm I'm going to be complaining about it. So now I'm going to feel guilty about (laughs) complaining. But I think that is a really basic thing. I hadn't thought about that before. So I would see that as kind of like a little checkpoint of what's my attitude, even toward the day, do I get out of bed in the morning and say, Lord, thank you for this day, even though it doesn't look like I want it to look, what do you have for me in this day? So contentment, I think some people believe that if you're a Christian, these things should come easily to you. You know, that it's just all grace. It's all grace. You don't have to do anything. It's a gift. So let's talk about that a little bit. Do we need to pursue contentment? And if we do, how do we do that?
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think one of the most encouraging things for me has been where Paul talks about contentment in Philippians, right? He says, I have learned to be content. He talks about all these circumstances that he had. And then he says, and I have learned to be content, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, if the apostle Paul, this great lion of the faith, had to learn contentment, then it can be an encouragement to us that it's something that has to be learned, it's something that can be learned. And then Paul attaches that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the Lord who enables us, who works in us to bring us to contentment. So I think it's definitely a process.
0: Well, in your book, you talk about some of the benefits of contentment. And sometimes we're not willing to work for something unless we know that there is, you know, there's a prize at the end of the marathon, so to speak. And I, I think that pursuing contentment is a marathon. I don't think it's a sprint, but what are some of the reasons that you would say, this is, this is a good reason to pursue contentment and to fight that complaining, whining spirit?
1: I think it pleases the Lord, first of all, that the Lord calls us to contentment and to avoid complaining and grumbling and pride and all those things that we talked about earlier. So I think it's our service to the Lord and we can look for his well done not in a not that we're earning his favor. Uh, we do these things, again, as we said, through Christ who strengthens us, but, but he is pleased with us as his children when we seek the things that he loves and when we seek to cultivate those in our own heart. I think it's good for our hearts. You know, the Proverbs talks about um, the joy or the blessing of a tranquil heart. Study after study has shown that sort of anxiety and frustration and all of those emotions that come up when we're discontent are actually bad for you. So it's actually good for you to cultivate a peaceful, a tranquil heart that is going to submit to the Lord and just accept what he brings into your life, knowing that it's good for you. And then I think it's good for those around us. You know, it's, it helps the people in our families or in our workspaces to hear us submitting to the Lord. And it helps them then to submit to the Lord if they're believers And if they're not, it can actually be sort of evangelistic, you know, hey, everyone else is complaining about the coffee or the commute or the traffic or the weather. And this person isn't complaining. And and I wonder what's different about her. And it can be evangelistic, actually, that we're submitting to the Lord
0: in our lives. Like we said, we're in the middle of a pandemic and there's some really tragic things that are happening. And when you talked about contentment, you're saying that it's a submission to the Lord, that He is sovereign and we can trust Him. That's one of our themes at Mark Inc. Ministries. It runs all through every single one of our resources. However, speaking from my own life, I struggled to understand what it means to be content uh, because, as you know, we our 16-year-old son Mark and his friend Kelly were in a fatal car accident. And I can tell you, I was not content. I really wrestled with the Lord uh, to reconcile His love and His sovereignty and really struggled to understand what does it mean to grieve, but not to grieve as the world grieves. What does it mean to really battle with the Lord? And so I I learned the meaning of lament. I, I learned that, I concluded that lamenting is when we are facing the Lord, and we're running to Him, and we're beating on His chest, and we're pleading with Him to break the ache in our souls. But it was a journey to get to that place of surrender, of understanding what that means, and knowing that it's okay for me to still say, I I still don't like it, that my son isn't here, I miss him, and I want him back. But God is sovereign, and I can trust him. So speak to that person who is, they're not worried about traffic. You know, they're saying, that's not my issue. My issue is, my child is wayward. My friend is dying of this virus, Um, you know, just fill in the blank. How do we get from that point of, God, you are not being kind or loving here, to that point of being able to grieve or be sorrowful, disappointed, but content. What does that look like and how how do we get there? And I know that's a big question, but let's just try to dig into it for a minute or two.
1: Yeah, I think we can look, for our example, to Christ himself, right? We know that Christ was perfect and he was the God-man and he never sinned. So we want to know what contentment looks like, then he's an infallible place to look for contentment. And, you know, even just to think of Christ as he was facing his crucifixion in the garden and he's praying, right? What a lovely picture we have of Christ, the perfect God-man. He's facing death, uh, the just judgment for our sins placed on him. And he's troubled in his soul about it. He's asking the Lord, let this cup pass from me. He's weeping and shedding drops of blood. And we think, well, that doesn't sound like what I think contentment is, you know, and yet we know he was perfectly content. And so you're absolutely right. That crying out to the Lord, this isn't what I want. This is very scary. This is very hard is legitimate, Uh, That's a righteous response to hard things. Christ himself made that response. But we also see that Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And so he does submit to what the Lord has brought into his life. And he does trust that what God is giving is what is good and what is best. And so Even in the person of Christ, we have both of those things. We have the, this is hard, this isn't what I wanted, this is really troubling to me, and the trust that God is doing what is right and that we can accept from his hand what he has brought. Now, how do we learn to trust that what God is doing is good and right? I think we learn that in the scriptures and by the help of the Holy Spirit. And that the more we know God, And the more we see His ways in our life, the more we learn to trust Him. We see His past faithfulness to us, and it helps us to trust Him in the future. We see His faithfulness to His people throughout the Bible, and it helps us to trust Him in our own lives. We rely on the help of the Holy Spirit to help us to learn this contentment.
0: Yeah, everything you're saying, I, I can go back into those days after Mark's death, and those months and years even, and struggling with all of those truths that you have just really put so beautifully. And the picture of Jesus in the garden is certainly a go-to place when we are being hit with something that seems unbelievably overwhelming. I also think about Moses when God called him to go to the Israelites, Jeremiah, um, both of them saying, there's no way I can't do this. And what God called them to do was so unbelievably difficult and painful. And yet what I, th- I think a key for me in learning contentment is it's from Ephesians. I think it's Ephesians two, where, um, and my paraphrase is that, that the Lord has prepared before the beginning of time, the Lord prepared good works for me to do. And so that was like a light bulb went on that, okay, in this pathway on which God has placed me, and I believe that he is sovereign, he could have stopped that accident from happening, but he didn't. It's part of his plan. So this is his plan for me. It isn't just his plan for my son, it's his plan for me. And so what are the good works that he has prepared for me to do? Because whatever they are, he's already equipped me to do them. I may not know what that equipping is, but I get up in the morning and I can say, whatever it is you have for me today, you've already equipped me. And those are the steps I'm going to take. And just want to speak to those who are listening who are really broken and don't even know how to get out of bed in the morning. Sometimes for me, that is the work that God had prepared for me to do, Mm -hmm. is get out of bed and go do a load of wash, or this is the day you're going to cry and it's okay. It's still glorifying to me and honoring to me. But the promise that, you know, when I say I can't do this and and the Lord comes back and says, but I've already equipped you to do it. Um, And Jesus in the garden, he was, he didn't want to do it, but God had already equipped him and enabled him to surrender. It's a lifetime. And you mentioned uh, the word, getting into the word. And that's one reason I love your devotional, because there's so much scripture there that you're not just, you know, saying some sugary thing about contentment, you're taking on the difficulty of it and showing the scriptures that guide us, that take us down that pathway. So, Megan, as we wrap up our time together, I would like for you to speak to that person you kind of already have, but speak to that one person who is hanging on to life by their fingernails and they're listening to us talk and they're saying, well, I want, I want to be content. I don't want to be that whiny, complainy person, but how do I do that when my life is so messed up and so broken?
1: Yeah. I think that uh, you have great help and the Lord who loves contentment, loves to work contentment in his people. And he loves to show his goodness. You know, the the subtitle of my book, it's contentment, seeing God's goodness. And he loves to reveal his goodness to his people as we look for it. And so we don't serve a God who is grudging and mean and stingy, but we serve a God who loves to display his goodness. And I think we can have encouragement that God is working even when we can't see it. And even when we are stuck in our homes by ourselves, people we love, their lives are in danger. Our financial stability is in question. The, the work that we've done, the plans that we made seem to just be crumbling around us. And yet we know that God is at work and he's been at work from the beginning of time and he will continue to be at work all the way to eternity. And He's not going to let us go. And I think that as we see what God has done in our lives in the past and what he is doing in the lives of his people throughout the world, and also what he's done in so many throughout scripture, you know, you mentioned Moses and Jeremiah, you know, I I think of Mary. She was visited by the angel and told that, oh, she's going to be an unwed mother of of God incarnate and how frightening that must have been to her. And yet she knew the Lord, she trusted him. And so she was able to say, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. And I'm sure she said that, you know, with, um, you know, with gritted teeth, as it were a trembling voice. Um, You know, it it seems so plain and certain in the scripture, but uh, I'm sure there was all kinds of fear and turmoil in her heart as she said that. And yet She was able to cling to the God who had always been good to her, who had always been good to his people and know that he was going to do something in her, even through this crazy circumstance. And she could say, I'm your servant, you know, bring it on and I'm going to trust you through it. And then the Lord showed his goodness to her again and again. And we can trust that we will continue to see the Lord's goodness little by little now. And then of course, fully revealed in eternity and have an opportunity to praise him for what he did, even, even in the really hard stuff.
0: Yeah. I love your references to Mary. She was a key person for me. Um, I just felt like I got to know her and, uh, that her, I'm, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord may it be to me, as you have said. And I, I agree with you. I think it was with a lot of passion and emotion and fear and, anticipation uh, that she said those words and the scriptures hold nothing back about the humanity of God's people, which is an encouragement. It's a great encouragement as well. And one of the things that I I hope you listener uh, have picked up on is that really to experience contentment requires a personal relationship to Jesus and not just, you know, a moment of saying, "Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart," but falling in love with Him and pursuing intimacy with Him through His Word, packed packed with treasures and truth that are like vitamins, uh, like food. It is food for our soul that is going to equip us and get us ready for those really hard places. It's. I don't think it's something you can work up. I think it has to be. Um, it has to be a regular intimacy with Him and feeding on the Word with Him. And if you don't know where to start, um, I would recommend that you can start in the book of John and you just read through that book and you see Jesus and watch Jesus interact with um, the people around Him. And uh, and also, if you want to know more about knowing Jesus, I would love to hear from you. I, I would be delighted to share with you how you can have um, an intimate relationship with Jesus that equips you to pursue contentment. Also get a hold of Megan's book um, and start there with reading and, and open your Bible and mark the verses that jump out at you and watch as the Lord develops a relationship with you and fills you with His grace. So you have been listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. I'm Sharon Betters. And our guest today has been Megan Evans-Hill. She is an author, and we have been talking about her book, Contentment, uh, Seeing God's Goodness, and I want to highly recommend that book. We'll have a link to it on our website. Just go to markinc.org and click Help and Hope, and you'll find her uh, there in that library, that Help and Hope library. I'd also love it if you have enjoyed this, if it's been a blessing to you, subscribe, and uh, you'll get the the podcast as soon as they are posted also go to social media and like us on facebook mark inc ministries and that way you'll know whenever we uh, put out a new resource and we're doing it on a regular basis each one is designed to help your heart turn toward jesus so again i'm sharon Betters, and our guest has been megan hill and i pray that as you go about your day you will remember that god is sovereign and you can trust him